0: All right, welcome back. It's a new month, a new word. And um, this one, this one's a big one. It's a big this one. Is a big, It's um, a big one. So uh, we're glad you're all tuning in to talk about this one, hear a little bit more about it and um, think and apply it because I think it's gonna challenge both of us, certainly, and um, everyone else as well. So let's jump right in. Um, my name's Leslie Bolser. I am the Curriculum Director for Core Essential Values. We provide curriculum and resources for uh, UK through 12 schools and school districts, as well as resources for communities and families to support that learning at home and in the community. And Dr. Beth, would you introduce yourself
1: as well? Yeah, thanks. Um, My name is Dr. Beth Tramow. I'm a licensed psychologist and an associate professor of psychology at Indiana University East, where I'm also the director of the Master's Mental Health Counseling Program. And I also just focus on helping um, adults. Communicate more effectively by making words matter for good. So, I try to focus on behavioral and communication strategies to increase connection, uh, mostly between parent or teacher and kids, but also just human to human. You know, the things we say, the words we use, it, it just all matters. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And beyond all of that, we are both parents. Yeah. You have four children, I have two children. So not only do we talk about this in the community and with schools we work with and other folks, we practice these things in our very own homes as well. And <laughs> we we screw it up. That's right. Sometimes we're amazing at it. And all sometimes the time. We're terrible at it. So um, I think this one today is going to be one that um, nobody really quite has a handle on. This is Uh something I think we work for our whole lives. Um, Maybe it comes a little better with age. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. We'll find out, right? So the word that we're talking about is forgiveness. And it, we frame it a little bit differently this month with uh, through the, the core essential values curriculum. We, we don't really have a definition. We have more of an application is what we call it, because it's not what Webster's would say if you looked up forgiveness. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the way we're applying it this month is deciding that someone who has wronged you doesn't have to pay. So it's really about revenge and holding grudges and um, that feeling we get inside when we store up our anger, um, whether we act on it or not. Uh, what it does to the rest of us and
1: the rest of our behaviors when we store up that anger. I'm telling you, this is one of the most misunderstood concepts, even for adults. And, you know, in my years of doing clinical work in the therapy room, we, I would talk about forgiveness so often because there's so many myths around forgiveness. They're like, you know, I, I can't forgive someone cause then they'll, they'll get away with it or I can't forgive somebody because then they'll think I'm okay with it. I can't forgive them because they haven't said they're sorry. So I actually love this application because it really speaks to the heart of what true forgiveness is. You know, The way I define forgiveness is to release the negative feelings associated with a person or an event. And so I say forgiveness is inside us. I don't have to wait for someone to say they're sorry. I don't have to to wait for them to even look like they're sorry. Because guess what? Most of the time, they're not. They're not. You know, some now some, some people in some relationships, when they wrong us, they may be sorry and they may say sorry and it may feel like a genuine apology. But Leslie, I'm telling you, most of the time, even if somebody says they're sorry, I'm still like, well, obviously you're not. I don't believe you or, you know, some shenanigan. So I love that this is about us on the inside, realizing forgiveness is in me. It's a choice I make through kind of weaving through this journey of letting go of my negative emotion.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk to you about this from a couple of different angles. Yeah. I am going to talk about parenting and kids here in a minute and what to do with kids and um, all of that stuff. But I really, for a minute, let's just focus on the adult, on the parent who's listening right now. Yep. Talk to me about not how to parent to get your kids to be better at forgiveness, but talk to me about self-forgiveness. As a parent, I feel like we carry, I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for anyone else. I carry in me, I don't know, regret or worry or however you want to frame it that I can't forgive myself for as a parent or as a person in a relationship or as a a coworker or whatever. And I walk around carrying that. And carrying that, like you said, not being able to release it really does affect so many other behaviors that we talk about on this podcast and that we talk about with kids. So talk to me about, as a parent, releasing yourself from some of that guilt or pain or anger or whatever it may be.
1: I mean, and this is tricky, yeah. you know, and it is an active, ongoing choice. You know, I think you said it earlier that, it, you know, maybe it gets better with age, maybe it doesn't. But I think as we grow and continue to realize the things I'm holding, it gives us more opportunities to be intentional about not harboring it. And so one of the quickest ways to hate yourself, feel bad about yourself, particularly um, as a parent is comparing yourself to other parents. Mm, So I'll give you an example, right? So I have four kids, my oldest is 15. And back I don't know. Probably a decade ago, I bought those. You know those like little picture frames where there are like twelve little squares, and you're supposed to put your like kids' school picture. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I bought those things like a trillion years ago. Well, not probably ten. And I had this whole vision that I was going to be so organized and buy the pictures each year and. Put them on the wall, and I was going to be that mom who, like, had that done. And yeah. year after year, I didn't, and year after year. And even now, I think about it like, gosh, like, I had the stuff. Why didn't I just do that, you know? And this is a really kind of small example. And I'm using it as a small example because w- while it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, it is in me to be like, man, I'm a terrible mother. I did not put their pictures in that little frame. Now, what am I going to do when we have her open house? We won't have all of her pictures, you know? So the active choice for me to forgive myself for that error. Now, listener, hear me. I know I'm not like the worst mom in the world because I didn't do this, but we have these narratives in our mind that, well, a good mother would have done it. A good mother would have done this. A good father would have been there for this event or whatever. When you have those narratives in your mind, it tends to come with shame, guilt, regret, some of those words. And it's an active choice to say, when I have this initial narrative of I'm a terrible mom, I can then combat that narrative with another thought that says, you know what, actually, I'm a really good mom in a lot of other ways. And I will definitely have other things on her open house day for graduation that will be meaningful and will matter to her. It's really okay. I can choose to let go of this shame in this moment. Now, the important part here is that that thought and that feeling may come up again. So just because right now I'm saying I forgive myself in this moment, it doesn't mean that it may not come up again. And I have to do that same exercise again i have to then choose to forgive again choose to have another thought again and that's the journey of what forgiveness is yeah that's amazing it's so funny that you chose that particular example we did not
0: talk about this ahead of time and i have a friend who has those frames and who has diligently put her children's pictures in that from preschool all the way through and they're both in college now um and Here's the thing, Beth. It never even occurred to me to buy one of those. So you buying them is like a, a leap ahead of me. And every time we go to their house and I see those pictures, I go, oh, huh, <laughs> Maybe I should have done that. <laughs> but It's the exact same thing, right? Then I question, like, how hard was that to cut out those little pictures and put them in? She didn't spend hours and hours on that. It just was important to her and she did it. And you're right. We compare ourselves in those little ways. And and to me, it seems like such a small example. It seems like so not a big deal, but it really seeps into the rest of our parenting. What we say about ourselves in our heads makes a difference in all of these other ways that we're trying to raise our kids.
1: And while logically we know, we see on social media, that some family is posting about their kid doing something, right? And we know logically like they're only posting the good stuff. We know logically there's stuff going on behind closed doors. But emotionally, when we see that with our eyes, it automatically triggers, right? I mean, this is the thing that I don't think most people realize is that your comparison isn't a choice. Your comparison is automatic. So you see with your eyes, and that's why we do these social media fasts. That's why often I prescribe folks to like take a break because you're not sitting there, like looking at the picture and reading somebody's post and saying, I am going to compare myself to her. It's, it's so quick and so automatic. So I think it's realizing what are the triggers? What are the moments that I am doing this or that or this, right? I'm scrolling social media. I'm looking back at old photos, whatever it is for you that's going to trigger that automatic emotion is the behavior you have to choose something else to do
0: yeah that's amazing that's amazing okay so a lot of work to be done for parents on mm. self forgiveness I, I mean i think no matter who you are it, right. it, i don't think anybody's immune to this sort right. of changing the narrative that the the tape that plays in your head right yep. whatever it's about so it may be, it may not be parenting for some people it may be something else but yeah. i just love i love your suggestion for how to combat those thoughts because i it, it does make a difference in everything we do So parents aside, now let's talk a little bit about kids. And we're talking about all ages here, kids of all ages. You know, I think there are two aspects of this, just just understanding what forgiveness is, because man, what a tough concept for a young person to understand. And then the second part of it is this idea of not seeking revenge. So how do you talk to parents about forgiveness with children? And then also this idea of not seeking revenge?
1: Yeah. So if you're listening and you have a kiddo who is in, I don't know, maybe kindergarten to third grade, um, this topic is going to be really hard and it's going to come up over and over and over because forgiveness, particularly revenge, is often related to fairness. And fairness matters a lot for our six to nine-year-olds. It matters to our teenagers too, but we're sort of at the peak of that like fair police sort of um, narrative. So when you're listening here, just know that our kids and even our teenagers are going to need a lot of practice at this. So think through helping them understand when somebody does something to us that we don't like, we can communicate with that person that we didn't like it. We can take a moment to think about whether we need to communicate At the end of the day, sometimes our kids just need us to listen, right? So they come home and somebody did something at school they didn't like. And then they may even say something like, well, he should get beat up because he did this or that. Your job as a parent is to say, yeah, that sounds really frustrating, isn't it? Bring it back to the emotion that they're experiencing. And then later, like when they're not emotional, we can talk through forgiveness. In the moment when they're coming home and they're angry and they're sad and they're embarrassed and they're saying all these things about something that happened, that may not be the moment to be like, "Well now, other people don't have to pay." Like, <laughs> "Yes, they do. They hurt me, you know. That's not our teaching moment. Our teaching moment is not when they're emotional. Our teaching moment is later." maybe before they go to bed and we're thinking about how the day went and we're thinking about how, you know, they were really hurt by this friend. So I think a good part of this is remembering timing. So realizing your kid's not going to be able to hear it when they're emotional.
0: Yeah, that's great. One last question. I want to talk a little bit about older kids and forgiveness. And um, I want to talk about specifically in relationships with Uh, late elementary, middle school, and teenagers, and the careful line between forgiveness and letting go, but not allowing yourself to stay in a friendship or relationship or whatever it is where um, you're being violated in some way, where it's unhealthy for that young person. So as a parent, although we do want them to be releasing things, we want them to forgive, how do we also keep them safe and protecting their own boundaries?
1: Yeah. I mean, first realizing that forgiveness includes a boundary. So forgiveness doesn't mean I say, it's okay, just treat me however you want. One thing that I think happens for um, especially our teenagers who are people pleasers, our teenagers who may be perfectionistic, who may be conflict averse, their tendency may be to forgive too quickly or to say, Okay, so somebody says something about you on social media and your teenager talks to their friend about it and says, hey, you know, it wasn't okay with me that you posted that picture of me and you didn't tell me you were going to do that, right? And the friend says, oh, I'm sorry, like you're just being too sensitive. Their apology in that moment, especially does not mean it's okay, right? And and your teenager shouldn't say, oh, okay, it's all right. Just don't let it happen again. You get to have that boundary, even with forgiveness. So if I'm releasing the negative emotions associated with somebody posting something about me that I didn't want them to post, it just means I'm not gonna keep being angry. But it doesn't mean I'm gonna keep taking pictures with them. It means I'm gonna say to that person, hey, well, I'm not gonna be taking pictures with you because you're posting things and you're twisting things that I don't like, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's helping kids realize that forgiveness at the heart of it also includes healthy boundaries. Even communicating really explicitly, hey, this part of what happened is not okay with me. And here's what I am going to do as a result of what you did in our relationship. Yeah.
0: I mean, you already said it. I just wasn't a very good listener because you said that forgiveness is about releasing. It's about internally releasing that emotion, right? So you're exactly right. If that's what forgiveness is, it's about me releasing that emotion. It has actually nothing to do with that person's actions. So I can set whatever boundary I need to. I can have my teenager set whatever boundary they need to. And the release of the negative emotion is a totally separate act from how I then interact with that person moving forward.
1: Yeah. And it really is at the heart of helping our kids understand emotion regulation. So keep in mind, when your kids are emotional, that's not our job. That's not our time for teaching. When your kids are emotional, your job is to draw out the emotion by saying things like, wow, that sounds hard. Was there anything else? Tell me more, right? Your job is to draw it out, even though commonly our initial tendency is to be like, shut that junk down. Like I do not (laughs) like our, our initial discomfort is usually, well, just think about it this way or think about it this way. So Mm -hmm. anyway, your, your job when they're emotional is to draw it out. Use, tell me more. I want to hear more. That sounds really hard sort of statements. Then later when they aren't emotional, we can say, okay, so what do you feel like you need to do with your friend as a result of what happened and walk them through like how we can't continue to operate in relationships where people continue to harm us, but people are going to continue to harm them if they don't do something different. No, that's great. It's hard. It's
0: It's really hard, but yeah. It's two totally separate things. It, it, um, the internal process and the external process of dealing with the relationship are, are two
1: different things. That's yeah, great. Setting that boundary for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of a, <laughs> this is kind of a big one. This is kind of a, a big topic. Lots to think about as an adult, lots to think about with our younger and our older kids. Um, anything you want to remind us before we wrap up and move on to next month's word?
1: I think if you're a mom or a dad, um, a parent of a little so our preschoolers, they need to hear, "I forgive you" a lot. Ah, uh, yes. So they're going to mess up all the time. They're going to do things all the time, and it's it's absolutely fair for and and again, not just your littles, but I'm talking to the littles here. Say, "I forgive you." It's okay. I forgive you. And then when your older kids, um, your elementary kids hearing the words, I forgive you, and then showing them that you actually are letting go of the negative feelings. So they should feel differently after you say, I forgive you. It should mm-hmm. feel like a different um, mood, a different tone when you're actually truly forgiving. So much to think about. I love it. I okay, so so folks much, want- <laughs> <y'all>. so much, y'all. <laughs> if folks want to know more, how can they reach out to you? Yeah. So my website is makewordsmatterforgood.com. And I have two other podcasts also. Uh, Things You Learn in Therapy is a podcast where I interview other therapists and psychologists from around the world and ask them their favorite tip that they share in therapy. And then my other podcast is called Kids These Days Need Us to Make Words Matter for Good, where I talk about all things kid and adolescent mental health. Excellent. And I know you're on a little bit of a social media fast right now. I am. I'm sort of taking the next few weeks. And ironically, I've had like three instances where I have thought, gosh, I need to ask my social media people for just like, hey, does anybody have these kind of shoes to borrow for a dance for my daughter? And then I'm like, no, I said I was done. Okay. Anyway, I'm off. I'm off. Okay.
0: So, so right now the best way to do that, is through, if people want to contact you, the best way is through your website and your other podcasts for right now. Yep. Um, I'm at Core Essential Values. Um, our website is coreessentials.org. You can find out more about our programs, or you can find us on social media at CE Values. Dr. Beth, this was really, really a fantastic conversation. And I'm excited about next month as well. I think the next one is a really tough one to talk about with older kids. Um, so I'm excited to dig in and And see what we can come up with. So, tune in uh, in April to hear some more.
1: Sounds great. Can't wait.